When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello kids, it's your Auntie Kath. Now, as you probably know by now, you might hear words like f***, and in this podcast. Oh, and c***, that's one of my favourites. So, if you've got little ears around, you might want to listen another time. Or if you like, keep playing. They might just learn something, the little p***. Esteemed Deaf Pals. Now, it turns out some of you have been complaining that these episodes aren't long enough. <laughs> well then, you'll be dying to know that this isn't all of it, you wonderful twits. After you've finished hearing how your favourite guests are going to peg it, they join me over at Six Feet Under to read through your real-life deaf-related anecdotes. And then to her mind, what she heard next was the nurse saying, All fine. A little bollock there, but nothing to worry about. (laughs) For just £2.99 a month, you get all that and every episode completely (sighs) ad-free. The dream. So, as the Grim Reaper says, get on with it and subscribe. Head to wherethersawillthersweight.com for details. Right, let's get cracking. Hello, I'm Kathy Burke. And welcome to this Halloween special spooky slice of the podcast cake. Fucking hell, I've got the EBGBs. Why are the lights flickering in the studio? Whoa! And what cunt just ran past me? Who goes there? You fucking want some? And what the hell is that blood curdling scream I can hear? It's giving me the willies. Ooh, no, it's okay. There's just a couple of foxes shagging in the garden. Keep it down, you randy bastards, and stay the fuck out of my bin. I've got a podcast to record. Welcome to. Where there's a will, there's a way. As we dig deep to discover what truly makes us beautiful, it's time to welcome our guests to this idiotic inferno. Now, on some podcasts, you get guests talking about how life is short, but on this podcast, it ain't just short, mate. It's fucking over. Finito. And joining us this week is a man who is beautiful. Inside and out, it's the brilliant... Love it. That's uh, the Rathbones who do our jingles they're for us. Very good, aren't they? They're wonderful. And yeah. I think they like doing the uh, little extra beautiful. But you've made other music, apart from that one song that, you know, pushed you into the stratosphere of superstardom, basically. Yeah, no one's heard any of the other stuff, but, you know, <laughs> but, but, but one will do. Well, I have. I listened to your latest album, which is called... Good question. <laughs> Called Who We Used To Be. Who I'll, I'll do the be. prompting. <laughs> yes, Who We Used To Be. And uh, a couple of tracks that I really enjoyed was The Girl Who Never Was. It's yep. quite, quite a sad song. It's miserable. And Care A Little Less, I really liked. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. 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 That's on the extended version for those fans who might be listening in who want even more. Lovely. And then also, um, which is released now, you've got this new memoir 
that's come out called Loosely Based on a Made-Up Story, Yeah, which I had the pleasure of reading before its release. And I have to say, James and listener, it's a corker. Thank you so much. It's very, very good, very funny and uh, quite very moving in yeah, parts as that's, well. Yeah, well, that's high praise coming from you, so thank you so much for taking the time to read it. Not at all, not at all. And, and uh, as is the way um, with reading people's memoirs, I might be a little bit over-familiar, James, because, <laughs> because I feel like I know you very well now. On a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's my first attempt at uh, writing in any way, um, and and I'm, I'm nervous of it in many ways because yeah. to reveal quite so much. So that's why I've called it loosely based on a made-up story so I can deny everything. Yes. That's my lawyers have insisted I do so. Okay. And I'm really calling it a non-memoir because I can't remember that much. It can, you know, it's from mainly based on on that drug-addled decade of, of the noughties. Yes. Which, and the greatest decade known to humankind, really. I mean, that. you are very open about all the drugs and, and the girlies and, and the, the wildness. Well, the drugs, I, I I really have only stuck to suppositories. Uh huh. Um, um, but, but the girls, I can't necessarily, yeah, yeah, say it here or there. Uh huh. So now, listen. This is really lovely that you've joined us on this podcast. Um, I've been a fan of yours for a very, very long time. Not just the music, but also you are king of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, uh, if there is such a thing to be had, mm. um, if it'll last, if Twitter exists any longer, I don't know, it'll be over. But um, it's yeah. a it's a pretty mean place, isn't it? It can be very, very mean. Yeah, it's a policy I've had that you know, if you feel threatened by anyone in that kind of way, mm. um, if someone's going to punch you in the face, you might as well just punch yourself in the face first. <laughs> yeah, get get the first <laughs> whack in. Yeah. So anyway, before we go into the details of your death, we want to know first what's the last thing you ate before you ceased to exist. Please, could I have um, a double-double animal style from In-N-Out Burger? Oh, right. What's In-N-Out Burger? In-N-Out Burger is a Californian burger chain, and they're just better than anything we have over here. It's really delicious. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't want to eat it. I just want to put it on my chest and smear it all over myself. It's, oh, you dirty, it's, dirty boy. It's really that good. Yeah. But maybe with a little side of um, uh, buffalo hot wings from Hot Wings Cafe, again in, in California, in Los Angeles, um, and and that'll just, you know, burn burn the sides of your mouth off, so that maybe that's yeah, negates anything, but it's just, that'll do. Some, some kind of their nasty, dirty hot wings. Yeah, and uh, what to um, uh, wash this all down, what sort of drink would you have with this? I'm, um, uh, I'm a Coke addict. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I'll have some of that and maybe a Corona beer as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's your last meal. Yeah, some high, so high-end food there and yeah. high-end drink. I'm a classy man. Ah, uh, and because uh, you live in Ibiza, don't you? I do. How long have you lived there now? I think I must have left, lived there 15 or 16 years. Wow, nice. Yeah, I can't remember much of it, but it's, you yeah. know, I'm told it's been really good fun. I mean, it's an amazing place. San Antonio is just where the Brits go out on holiday, and you, mm. it's really, you can go down and watch them because they're all there fighting and fucking and throwing up, and it's great viewing. It's like going to the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but I'm in a little bit of a quieter place, you know, 10 minutes from the action. Um, and I have great fun there. You know, I, I, although I write this uh, deeply effeminate music, I really like dance music and, I'm, and I hit the clubs. You do. I mean, you do. You love it. You love a bit of um, 
<sighs> raving. Is that what the youth call it? Is yeah, exactly. What, is it raving, yeah. James? And as you get to my age, it's called graving, I think. Oh, there we go, you see. And nice and fitting for uh, for our podcast. So, we know what you're going to put down your gullet before you peg it. And now we want to know about... The death. <gasps> so, James. Yeah? You've pegged it. Oh, God. How the fuck did that happen? Well, it was an accident, really. Yeah. Um, I had a, a, a lemon in my mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, and my trousers were on my ankles. Um, and, a, and, and I'd used an old school tide <laughs> as a throttle. And, you know, I guess the main thing is you've always got to have a watcher, haven't you? An observer. And I'd failed to do that. And the next thing you know, I'm gone. <laughs> what a way to go, though. Yeah. I don't think we've had a death like that quite. No. Well, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think uh, the public's response to your death would be? Never mind the, the way it happened. Um, I, I mean, I guess surprise, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I guess surprise. Mm. But do you think there'll be um, an outpouring of grief like, like, like it was for Lady Di? Or do you think there'll be a bit of jollity like when old Thatcher pegged it? They'll... I mean, I, I th- I'm sure there will be lots of people who will be thrilled that it will be the end of, of my uh, aural abuse on the radio waves of Great Britain and, and worldwide. But I'm hoping that my album will, will uh, w- my first album primarily, will start selling again. That's of my course. really the, the aim of the whole thing, because I think the album, Back to Bedlam, I think it's the 19th biggest selling album of, of, uh, in the whole of the UK, in the history of the UK. Really? And I'm really hoping if, I, where, if and when I die, yeah. it could possibly nudge it up, you know, I could overtake the 18th or the 17th. That's traditionally what happens, isn't it? So it's the only oh, way I'm going to sell any more. It's the only way I'm going to sell any more records. Well, that's it. And then, and then we'll, we'll all be very, very sad. And then by the sixth week, we'll all be fed up of hearing Pissed "You're off. Beautiful" again. again. Oh, like the "Candle in the Wind" song. Exactly. When Lady Di passed away. Yeah, it's really made me go into other songs though. Like you know, I do "Goodbye, My Lover." It was the most played song at funerals. Oh, was it? Of yeah, course. Fantastic. So then I put out a song called I'll Take Everything um, yeah. for Divorces. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a song in there for everyone for something, isn't there? There is. And you're going to cash in on it exactly. all, you know. What other thing? What about a baptism? Um, you yeah. need to write a song about birth. Something about under the water, isn't it? You know? Yes, yes. I'll work on it. Good idea. Or do we Change just... a word. You, you get a third of that song, whatever it is. Yeah, just do a nice um, sort of um, low-tempo version of Splish Splash, I was taking the bath. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll share the royalties. Definitely. So um, how would you like to be remembered, do you think? Well, I think, you know, as as I will, I know I'll be remembered. It's that guy who wrote that fucking song. I don't think so, though, James. I think, personally, I think you've sort of, you've upstaged yourself with your humour. You know, I think you'll be remembered as being a right good laugh Sweet. over the, the song. Thank you. I mean, because in the future, no one will remember Twitter because that will have gone, though. So you could yeah. do a Twitter King as a title. That's, that's, a, that's a short-term title. Uh-huh. I think Elon Musk is a, a genius in the way that he's realised it's a terrible platform where everyone's horrible to each other. <laughs> and he's killing the bird from within. He's strangling the bird from within and it'll be gone and it'll be forgotten and so will I. So um, what publication would you like your obituary to be in? The NME. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> because um, they've been so kind. Because... <laughs> Because um, my only other time they've mentioned me in the NME was in 2006 when they awarded me the uh, the award for worst album of the year. 
which I have to say, they I did the sweetest thing with them this year. They did an interview with me, and each they do they do an interview with me each album cycle. Mm. And I always say, you're miserable guys because you give these awards out and you give me the worst album, and yet you've never given me the actual award. Everyone else who gets best album gets the actual award. Yeah. You've never given me the award. You never invited me to the award ceremony. And this year, on my uh, seventh studio album, they turn up with my 2006 award and said, "Go on." Oh. We think you deserve it and we're giving it to you. Oh, that's very nice. It's really sweet. Because um, I read, uh, well, obviously in your marvellous book, I was a bit fucking shocked and I have to say a little bit annoyed about just things like, you know, when you did uh, Later with Jules Holland and they do this sort of group photo of all the bands at the end. And was it Damon Albarn who refused yeah. to be in the photograph or didn't want you in the photograph? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe, I, I, I don't know exactly. He's a lovely chap, I'm sure. But he didn't want me, he didn't, so you get all the musicians um, uh, to have the, the episode, the photo of the episode um, and, and everyone gets the photo. And that photo is put up on the wall of the studio, of Jules yeah. studio. And for some reason, he didn't want me in the photo. So I was kept in my dressing room while they took that photo. And then he left and then they Fuck got me out for a second photo. But my photo's not necessarily on the wall. I mean, look, I can see through the glass box that Goddess Charlie is gobsmacked. I mean, it's outrageous, isn't it? It's just... I, 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 anyway, I find it quite pathetic and uh, I think you're very sweet and very charming to be so... Um, Sort of nonchalant about it, really. I mean, yeah. It's a time, though, wasn't it? That whole time of the Britpop thing, you know, which was before my time, really. But, you know, people were so competitive with each other. And and for what, really? Because, you know, music as music. You can you can enjoy different kinds of music and all kinds of music. You don't have to just choose one. No. So it's a strange thing to be... It shouldn't be uh, music is the last thing where there should be wars involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. And even the guilty pleasure question, what's your guilty pleasure? You know, I, why should you be guilty about what kind of music you listen to? Um, someone did ask me, you know, in fact, no, it wasn't a statement. It was a statement on Twitter. Someone wrote once, mm. James Blunt's my guilty pleasure. And I just wrote back, mine's anal. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we love you, mate. This is, this is it. This is the good stuff. So if you were in the middle of recording another album... Who would replace you, do you think? Well, I mean, as a musician, I don't think any musician would want to, so we'd have to pull in an actor. Mm. Um, my mum would ask for Tom Cruise, but I know whoever would play me in any kind of uh, thing would be Alan Partridge. Oh, Alan Partridge. <laughs> He'd be very... But you do look a bit like Tom Cruise. But, uh, yeah. I suppose you are quite... There's some similarity you've been, you've there. Have you been drinking? No, <laughs> no, you do. I can see that. I You're can see Tom Cruise. My mother you. would love that, but yeah, but it's not quite true. I have met him. He's a very nice man. Is he? Yeah, yeah. He sent me flowers once. Did he? Yeah. How charming! Just before the Grammys, and uh, Kanye West called me the same day to ask if we could work together. See, uh, yeah. I mean, look at the oh, this. This is like a different attitude from the American music um, family to to the British which is basically, fuck off, you blunt, we don't want you, you know what I mean? But the Americans are all embracing. Totally. I really love the Americans and the way they do things, you know, and we're very different in our, in our ways. But they, an American, American will form a club yeah. and say, I formed a club, who wants to join it? I want you to join my club. Whereas the Brits are very much, I formed a club and you can't get in. Yes. Um, and and I like for, the, for that, for the Americans, I love them. And I suppose as well, because the Americans, they don't really have the class system there. 
Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of the sort of snobbery about you was because you're a posh boy. Yeah. And it was like, oh, posh boys are not allowed. It's, it's actually posh twat is my oh, official title. Oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a lovely posh boy. But it's just this thing of, uh, oh, yeah, no, music's only... It could only be the working classes that make music. And, and it's such a load of nonsense. Yeah, although I would say there's a thing. You know, the working class hero is going to be singing about things that I do not relate to and I, you know, and I can't, and, and don't, and can't justify singing about. Uh -huh. um, so I do get that point, part of it. But then I don't really sing about that, do I? I sing, no. You know, I sing about what it is to be conscious and alive and as human and the shared human emotions that we have. That's it. Whereas I sing about, you know, uh, uh, maybe a... Alone on a large on a large house to tie to tie me over <laughs> to the country house, uh, <laughs> a bridging loan, yeah. and the difficulties of which private bank to use. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful! Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp Therapy Online. Goddess Charlie, you all right? You look a bit tense. What makes you say that? Well, you're biting your nails and your leg is shaking like a horny chihuahua. Oh, yeah. Now you mention it, I do feel a bit stressed. Come on then, spill the beans to Auntie Kath. What's on your mind? That's the weird thing. I don't actually know. It could be the endless sleepless nights I spend strategising on how I'm going to get a ticket to Glastonbury this year, or it could be the triple espresso I necked to make sure I didn't fall asleep on the way to work. Blimey, goddess. Whatever it is, you should invest some time in getting to the bottom of it. You're right. It's no good letting things fester and get out of control especially when it's so convenient to talk to therapists now. Ah, oh, you mean our friends at BetterHelp? Precisely. It's entirely online and suited to your schedule. With over a 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash wake. That's betterhelp.com. Slash wake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we've done the death to death. So now it's time for... The Funeral. So, folks, before we get into hearing all about James's funeral, let me tell you there's more to this podcast, so much more. Hit subscribe for access to our bonus content over on Six Feet Under, where we keep our guests with us a little bit longer and have a right laugh at all your brilliant funeral tales. Into the dentist, my teeth are giving me jip, and I'm really struggling now to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you get every episode completely ad-free, including these main ones. Hurrah! So, to find out how to subscribe, just go to wherethersawillthersawake.com. So, back to the fantasy world, James. You've popped your clogs, and now it's time to say goodbye. What's happening at your funeral? What's happening at my funeral? Well, I think, you know, for the couple of people that do turn up... <laughs> 
I hope they're I hope they're really miserable because I need someone to be impacted by it. Um, but yeah, but I think we'll do it in Ibiza because it's a good place to do it. Yeah. I've got a nightclub at the end of my garden. Oh, have you? Yeah, right so it's a, it's garden. a great location and I've got a couple, of, I've got a mannequin who works on the door Yeah, called Svetlana. Oh, um, I read about the mannequin in your book. Yeah, and so and so she can control the crowd of, yeah. of both of them. Um, <laughs> and there's drinks there because I've got booze there. It's a sponsored nightclub. I've got a vodka firm sent me uh, 500 bottles of vodka and P. Diddy, he heard about the club so he sent me 400 bottles of vodka so there's a ton of vodka to <sighs> drink and I'm dead. Amazing. So someone's, someone's got to drink it and and then we can put on some of my music, yeah. maybe just the song, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, and have a good cry, really. Yeah. That would be nice. I just want to go back to this P. Diddy sending you 400 bottles of vodka. Yeah, Ciroc. I mean, that's that's a very charming gift. It was lovely. So that year, really, I had I was then you know been gifted nine hundred bottles of vodka, and so I'd get a ton of people through my house and through the club. They'd all just turn up, even when I had invited them. I'd wake up and people would be going through my house, saying, "We're going to the nightclub. Who who are you?" And I said, "It's my house." Uh, <laughs> And through that first year, we drank 50 bottles of vodka, which is a lot of vodka. Yeah. But it still means we had nine years' worth left at the end, which, wow. is, which is pretty good. Has it all been drunk now? Just this year, just realising oh, I was going to die. Really? I thought I'd finish it off, yeah. And, uh, yeah, because your wife likes a tipple, doesn't she? She likes a little swig of uh, tequila before she's, she gets out of bed in the morning. Yeah, she's a, a, um, an alcoholic um, and... <laughs> Not self-created. I've made her the alcoholic. I think, you know, it's totally understandable. If you wake up every day beside James Blunt, you're going to go, oh, fuck. Um, and that's why she keeps tequila by the by the bed and a quick shot. And it just at least takes the edge off waking up beside me. Oh, dear. I'm having such a good time this morning. Um, how are you going to get to the funeral? What What mode of transport is your dead body going to be in? Yeah, I mean, I guess a taxi. A taxi. <laughs> my my, when my grandmother died, yeah. um, uh, she died in in uh, Dorset, but but she's from Norfolk. So my father just drove the the family Volvo down to Dorset, put her in the boot of the car, yeah. and drove her back up to Norfolk, um, because he's a practical human being. Yeah, um, which was fine, uh, apart from in the service station where people did it did kick up a bit of a fuss in the service station. So um, so but, yeah, uh, but I think uh, a practical uh, way. Uh, uh, Hang on. So your grandma was put in the boot of the car. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. How how little because she It's a converter. It's a sort of it's an estate, Volvo. Oh I see. It's oh I see. Estate. Yeah. And so why was there a fuss at the circle? Could people see in? Well, he would just, you know, open the boot and check on her and he's, you know, obviously sad and wants to check she's okay and have a look at the face and you know, and he thinks you better get out of there before they call the police. He's a very right. practical human being. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you want to go in a taxi? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that way, it's, that must be the easiest way of getting there. And what sort of taxi? Are we talking about a London hackney cab? Or that, would be a, talking... that would be a nice way of going. They don't have any of those in Ibiza, so it'll probably just be a back of a sea at Ibiza, won't it? Because the one thing I don't want, I don't want a coffin. Oh, you don't? No, I think it's just a waste of a good tree. Okay. Um, and so I'd rather, you know, put me, uh, I guess, a disposable body bag of some kind. Okay. And what, what are you going to be wearing? Well, how do you want your body dressed? Full military regalia. Ah. Please. I do have it at home. Yes. Um, ready and saved for this moment. Yes. Um, I left the army in 2002 and I still, you know, I still polish the shoes and the medals just waiting for this, this big moment. 
And uh, in your book, there's a, a wonderful photograph of yourself in your military regalia. And you've written on the bottom, I would. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is... Because you do look quite dashing. Thank you so much. The thing is, as a smaller man, I've always struggled to find ways of attracting the opposite sex. And uh -huh. so I've had to try a number of different things. Uh -huh. So obviously I tried, you know, I've got a socking great motorbike, so I try and be as manly as I can on that. Yeah. Uh, I've got a uniform from joining the army, and then I've taken up the guitar uh -huh. and, and become a singer. Just And I hope the three combine. Well, well, it's worked. You've had some wonderful girlfriends, I have to say, uh, very attractive, beautiful ladies from all over the gaff. So it, it certainly worked, James. Thank you. It's just my character that they were after. <laughs> <laughs> it? The character and the looks. That was all they were after. <laughs> so, yes, no coffin. That's it. He doesn't want a coffin. I don't want a coffin. If just the coffin feels like, you know, it's just, as you say, it seems excessive. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. But we, we need pallbearers. So so you'll be carried sort of in a body bag, you mean, rather than the coffin. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it, but not a plastic bag of some kind. I mean, mm. actually, if I'm in full military regalia, can I not just be on some kind of, I don't know, a stretcher or something like that? Oh, maybe. Just we something. Could... Yeah. So you get a look. Uh-huh. And you get the carry. Yeah. Um, and then you can reuse it. Very good. Very practical. Yeah. Very good for the planet. Exactly that. I'm enjoying that. And uh, I think that's important nowadays. Very much so. And what about the people carrying you? Who will be the pallbearers? Well, I think let's get um, let's get old what's-his-face from, from Blur in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's Damon. a great idea. I know he'd want to. Yes. And um, we can have Paul Weller. Oh, yes. Um, huge, he's a huge fan of mine. I know he'd want to. <laughs> I know uh, the, the the those Gallagher brothers. Oh, yeah. Noel and, and what's-his-name. Uh, they'd love to do that. I think they've signed up. That's wonderful. Because the, these these guys were all at war with each other at one point. Well, certainly yeah. Blur and Oasis. Exactly. And they've all war. had nice things to supportive things to say about me and my music. So mm. it'd be great to have them as part of the show. See, I think that's wonderful. Imagine their faces when they get the invite. Yeah. I do actually bump into Noel Fairwax different, uh -huh. at different places. And I think he's only says these things behind people's back. Because to your face, he's a coward. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, because didn't he say once he was moving out of Ibiza because you moved in? Yeah, he said he couldn't have me writing his my shitty songs just down the road from him. And it was really weird when he left. House prices just rocketed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so who do you want there? Who, who, who would you like at your funeral? I mean, anyone. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a solo artist because no one would join a band with me. I mean, <laughs> no wonder I'm writing these miserable songs. There I am on my own yeah. <laughs> with a guitar, no mates in the band. Anyone at the, at the, at the, at the wake would be a bonus. <laughs> maybe maybe we pay people. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll yeah. turn up. So let's talk music, um, uh, which we have been doing, but the music that your body is going to come in and come out to. You know, when you enter the funeral. Something fitting. Like, you know, what's that, that beautiful, beautiful song? For those in peril on Oh, hang on, sea. he's singing. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Muted. Did it, was it too late? You <laughs> Turn it down. You're going to lose your listeners. Turn it down. You're going to lose your listeners. <laughs> You've got auto-tune, have you? You can touch it yeah. up afterwards. Uh, 
what we did in the army is at Sandhurst, which is a miserable year of one's life because you've just come out of, let's say, school or university where you're, you know, at the university, at least you're a free human being. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the army, you're at Sandhurst, you're locked away for a year. Yeah. You're sleeping on the floor beside a perfectly serviceable bed because you've ironed your bed into shape and the curtains are always open at night and with spotlights outside because you've had to iron those and pleat them and, and fold them on the windowsill. And then um, and it's just a miserable year where you're running up mountains and living in trenches in Wales. And then every Sunday, what they can't take away from you is they put you in church for a chapel service. Right. And it's the only time that no one's screaming at you. Yes. And at the end of every service, that's what they play for those in peril on the sea. And it's just like, okay, it's a very sad moment because you realize you're going to leave after that and then someone's going to be outside. A sergeant major will be screaming blue murder at you and go, left, right, left, right, left, right. And then off you go again. Wow. So I love that song for that reason. I mean, no wonder, you know, these people over, uh, over time that have hurled insults at you and stuff. I mean, it's water off a duck's back for you. Because, I mean, fucking hell, James, you served in Kosovo, didn't you? I did, yeah, in 99. You've seen some pretty horrific It's a terrible, stuff. terrible place. And, you know, and, and all war, I mean, we, we've, we're seeing Ukraine at the moment. We're seeing what's going on um, in Israel um, and the fight with at the moment with Hamas. It's just a tragedy. It's always in all these places, the civilian toll um, is always the same. Yeah. Um, no matter who, which, you know... Whichever evil has perpetrated um, this violence is always civilians who suffer as a result. Uh-huh. It's really interesting seeing how people, humans work out there. You know, you get individuals both from either side, you know, yeah. whether it be Kosovo Albanians versus Serbs. Individuals were, were beautiful human beings. Individuals were, as I'm sure, you know, beautiful Israeli individuals and beautiful Palestinian individuals. Yeah. Um, same with Ukraine and, and Russia. And then and what was bizarre is seeing how when we get in our tribes or our cliques or our gangs or our nations or our political parties even, we start to um, lose the ability to be civil to each other, to see another person's perspective, to be distrustful for them. And and that is exaggerated more and more through a a vote of, are you left-wing or right-wing? Are you a Remainer or a Lever? And then you suddenly can't even be in the same room as someone with that differing view. And then the cycle that goes further and further down nowadays to a cycle of violence um, is is this it seems the same world over um, and it seems amazing that we can't understand that I don't want to be on the left or the right of anything I want to be in the middle yes. understanding everyone yeah yeah um, and so so that's what I learned really from my time in Kosovo is yeah you know rather than take a side understand both sides very good very good lovely that was beautifully put James. Thank you. Thank you for that, mate. Um, so now we've got a, a eulogy. Has somebody done a eulogy for you? Yes, I have. I've, uh, I've got a, a friend of mine. His name is David Peacock. Lovely. Well, let's have a listen. Dearly beloved, <laughs> we're gathered here today to celebrate the life of James Blunt. Um, those of you who are here for the, for the church bingo, uh, if you could wait <laughs> five or ten minutes, please, that would be marvellous. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Okay, some of you, many of you are here for both. (laughs) Well, when James Blunt's remains were found only a week gone by, we were all in shock. There wasn't much of him to start with, but now there's even less. We are all just a little bit sadder. Who knew that a ukulele could be so lethal? (laughs) Who did this? It could be anyone from a... Balkan law lord to a frustrated housewife from Dossenborf. We may never know. But let us commemorate his life in this tiny chapel today. Captain James Blunt, (laughs) 
spelt with a silent O, often said with a quiet oh no, was first and foremost an army officer, tank commander and defender of our late Queen's realm. He went on to become the international pop sensation James Blunt. Oh, now entirely gone. He went on to tour much of Central Europe, appearing on stage, singing his singles, mainly to other singles, many of whom threw their enormous liquors at him. And so for a man who, who sang at the Queen's Jubilee horse party and, and knew many uh, minor royals, but never received the KBE or OBE that we all know he deserved, though he was richly proud of his Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award. Please be upstanding for the national anthem. Well, marvellous. Yes. yes. Thank you, Mr Peacock. This is David Peacock. So how yeah. do you know David? Never met him before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fabulous. He just garnered that all from, from uh, Wikipedia, I think. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for that, David Peacock. And now we move on to... Buried or cremated... We've got all this extra stuff for Halloween, you see. We don't usually have this uh, added yeah. screaming. It's, and... very, it's very in keeping. It is. You should do it the whole time. I mean, we do, do you... have this spooky setup yeah. the whole time. But we didn't, you know, we've got this marvellous pumpkin. It's amazing. Uh, where they've, they've etched in your face. Totally. I told you, well, you've read the book then, you know that I, because I lived with Carrie Fisher and she would have yes. in her house in, in uh, Los Angeles, she'd have a Christmas tree set up 365 days a year. Yes. Because why not? It's fantastic. Uh-huh. Mm, I don't know. Some, I don't, I'm not keen on the old Christmas, you see. Yeah, well. So that sort of, I mean. It's a, well, if you then had it set up all the time, you yeah, know, it would just be well, like just part of the furniture. That's true. I mean, it is fascinating that you ended up living with Carrie Fisher. Absolutely bizarre. Um, and and the and the invitation to live with her came on the first meeting. Yeah, where literally I was in a restaurant in Notting Hill, and uh, she was there. That this lunch I'd been invited to by family friends of hers, and she asked me, you know, hey, what do you do? I said, I've, I've just left the army. I'm, I'm going to Los Angeles. I've got a record deal. Um, and she said, okay, where are you going to live? I said, I haven't organised anywhere yet. She said, you're going to live with me. And that was that was the, uh, the first three statements statements she made to me. Amazing. Amazing, and 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 it was true. She wasn't just bullshit. Yeah, know? absolutely. And then since two thousand and two till her death in two thousand and sixteen, that's where I lived. Whenever I was writing and recording out in Los Angeles, and you know, and a huge impact on, on 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 me as a human. Um, uh, my you know my closest dearest friend. She knows where all, all she knows all my darkest secrets. Uh -huh. Um, and you know, my first album's called Back to Bedlam because the madhouse that was her house. Yeah, just get up and drive away from you know from her. From her place, judge the studio and back each night. Um, and my closest, dearest of friends through that time. Wow! And what a great, a, a great loss, actually, because she was, she was like a Twitter queen. Totally. I mean, such a strong character. Yeah. Um, and for you know, for anyone else who's gone through the struggles of being bipolar for, mm. uh, for addiction, you know, she at least spoke about it very openly. She wasn't as necessarily as strong as people thought. She, you know, she had she, the, the very fact that she's going through those what created the struggles that she's had to live through. Yeah. But the fact she spoke about it so openly was what really helped other people. Oh my goodness! I think yeah, I think she was sort of one of the first famous people 
um, that I recall hearing talking so openly about mental health. Yeah. What a marvellous, I mean, that's that's a great legacy, never mind the brilliant work she did as an, as an actor. Totally. And she's just got a star on the Hollywood Boulevard, which I think is, uh, for me, the most amazing uh, amazing thing. And so on this album, I've just written my f- uh, first song that I could for her. It's yeah. taken me a, 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 since 2016 to write, and it's about the time that I drove back up to her house and put my hand on the gate um, and uh, and shed a tear for her. Um, and in the book, it's a slightly different story because I drove up to the house uh, in my hire car. A gate looks amazing in the first place. I put my hand on there and said, God, Carrie, I miss you so much. And, you know, and that's the first time I had a chance to have a proper blub. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as I did, a uh, minibus full of tourists pull up outside the house. They're all looking for, for, at different celebrities' houses around Hollywood. And the, and the tour guide said over the tannoy, and on, the, on your left, you'll see the late, great Carrie Fisher's house. And as you can see, some fans are still deeply moved by her passing. <laughs> and I was thinking, fuck off. <laughs> oh, amazing. Wonderful. Well, we all very much miss you, lovely Carrie Fisher. So, buried or cremated... I would love to be... Oh, Jesus. Oh, thank you so much. He didn't fucking flinch. Wonderful. I haven't had breakfast. <laughs> Brilliant. I didn't... <laughs> oh, for fuck's I'm sake. starving. Oh, actually, it's a tunnocks. Mm. Can I take two? We love tunnocks. Yeah, I'm going to mm. have two as well. That's advertising, tunnocks. Mm. Just but, two um, Thank you. Be off. Be off. <laughs> that, well, listener, I jumped out of my fucking skin and I, I knew it was going to happen, that the Grim Reaper was going to come in with a plate of tunnocks. And, Mr Blunt, you just didn't flinch. <laughs> just thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm not fully awake yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I am. I thought I was going to have an heart attack. <laughs> Gee whiz. So, buried or cremated? I'd love to be buried. Yeah. I've got no coffin. Okay, and what I would like yeah. on the top of a hill so I can still see the enemy coming. Um, and I'd like a tree just to be planted on me instead of a gravestone. Oh, very nice. Uh, and so that way, the um, the good parts of me and the bad can be just sucked up through the roots of the tree and grow into a uh, into a tree, whatever it might be. I don't yeah. know, I should choose a kind of tree. I don't wonder what would be a good one. On the top of a hill, a willow is not going to work. No. Um, that's more in a... In what a, works on top of a hill? And I think the, maybe, it, it has to be robust. I mean, an, an oak is an obvious one. Yeah, the oak is beautiful. You know, and that's whatever lasts a long time. A Wellingtonia is quite a nice one. Uh-huh. My, my wife's sort of, she's from the Wellington family. Yeah. Um, maybe I should clock in with a Wellingtonia. And so, yeah, rather than just the ashes, I just want my whole body under the tree. Yeah. And, it can just, and then maybe you could put a plaque on it. Well, that's it. Absolutely. That's one of, uh, one of my next questions is, uh, what do you want written on this plaque? Um, I think just Blunt was here. Blunt was here. <laughs> Lovely. Or Blunt is still here. Because, yeah. you know, then you'll, you'll, you'll be growing within the tree. Yeah. and totally. Don't chop this down. No. Don't. Go anywhere, we'll be back after this short break. Okay, lovely James Blunt. So now we move on to... The Will and the Wake. 
Well, you know, we had set it up, hadn't we, in Ibiza, and we talked about them, because I live on a hill in Ibiza anyway, and we talked about the coffin, um, and, uh, well, not the coffin, the non-coffin and the tree, yeah. and that's where they're all wailing and they're miserable, um, and I get there. There's one thing I didn't mention, because you know at my club, I've, I do have, you know, Svetlana running the door, Yes, but also just above my house, I've got her predecessor, oh, yeah. um, Nadia, and she's buried um, up on the hill in a, in a shallow grave, too. I had another mannequin who, who's, she was... She was uh, guarding the, the club before. So what happens with mannequins? What, do, do they have a sort of lifespan? Then, well, no, mannequins? just, I guess, you know, these these mannequins I've uh, bought to, to to man the door of my nightclub. Yeah. And so I go out and buy dresses for them and my wife gets a bit upset because I'll turn up with the dress and I'll say, darling, it's not for you. Sorry, it's for Svetlana <laughs> on the door. But um, the danger of being the, the door girl is that you're often the last girl standing. Ah. So, so my mate Billy... Um, he, he, he accosted, um, uh, Nadia and broke her back. Um, and so I, I took that, that mannequin and I buried her in a shallow grave. Right. Um, and so, so I think whilst I'm being buried, I would probably like to be beside Nadia because she was a fantastic door girl. Oh. Um, at Blunty's nightclub. Yes. And, um, these mannequins, they're quite expensive, aren't they? And they get more expensive the prettier they are. Yeah. I mean that's so. Weird. Why not just make them all pretty? Yeah, I, I can't believe they were sort of cheap. because they because people see men coming. Yeah, men are so shallow. Yes, this is we're suckers, we're fools. Yeah, so all mate. you have to do with a mannequin is put some eyelashes on it, and, like and suddenly I'm paying a grand more. That's it, and put an hole in it. Yeah, and so Nadia was, Nadia was a you know fairly attractive mannequin and. It's really expensive, but I tell you, Svetlana, she's a whole different ball game. Wow. It's insanely expensive. But so anyway, it was yeah, it was a thing when Analdi had to go. Anyway, she's and I've she have put her in a shallow grave with her fingers just sticking out of the ground just a little bit. <laughs> Wonderful, just to ship people up if yeah. they come across just it. A, yeah. But I'd love to be buried beside her. Yeah. Um and then I suppose yeah, then we get in the Blunty's nightclub um, and and have a dance. And I think then specifically what we'll do is we'll play all the different versions of Your Beautiful that have been released around the world, like the reggae version. Oh, the dubstep nice. version. Um, really? Yeah, exactly. And that can be all the different ones that's, that just, that, yeah, that we can find. Oh, nice. Just played on a loop. Yeah. And have these versions done well? No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what sort of food do you want at this wake? What would be because we know your last meal is burger and hot wings. Yeah, but um, but what about the the guests at the funeral? What are they going to have? I, th- I guess tuna sandwiches. That oh, sounds really? good. Yeah, tuna sandwiches. Yeah. I've my wife's very much into the environment, um, and uh, particularly the oceans, protecting the oceans. Yeah, um, and so she's very anti against, uh, very anti me eating tuna because they're no tuna left yes. and so what she doesn't know is that I when I go down to the supermarket I, I bring back tuna I've been stockpiling tuna in Ibiza um, and, and burying it beside Nadia I've been literally been you know so, so I think you know by the time it's my wake we'll be eating the last tuna right you know, absolute delicacy the, the last tuna to ever exist on earth yeah okay so Haunting. Now you're dead. Yep. And everyone's at the party and the wake and the sad celebration and the tuna sandwiches. Yeah. Do you want to haunt anyone? Definitely. Um, I've talked about I have a pub in Chelsea and uh, and it's right by Brompton Cemetery. And also it would make the booze quite popular because people love a haunted place. Weirdly, we did. I think it was probably like a train went past miles away and, and some glass did 
drop off a shelf. Yeah. And, we, and we just happened to capture it on the CCTV and my my pub manager caught it as it fell yeah. and, you know, was completely surprised by catching this that it had come off the shelf in the first place. And so we posted it online on Instagram saying, our pub's haunted. Yeah. And now we get all these Germans who come over and say, we here we have a haunted pub. And they do come and look uh, to, to check out our haunted pub. And we have one other rather sweet story about the pub being haunted, which is very, very sadly, my assistant manager died this year um, of cancer, which came very, very quickly. I mean, he was the loveliest man on the planet. Um, and uh, what he's done, because he was in charge of all the kind of computer stuff and, uh, and all, the, all the technology within the working pub, yeah. is every date... Or, you know, just random dates. He'll put things that come up that haunt. So the, the computer systems will go down to some days, which is, he, he's done that. Some things will, so on the coronation, all our screens just uh, flashed up yeah. with the, with the various members of the royal family with cocks drawn on their heads. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the coronation day, you know, and he'll just select different dates and, and he's just done that for the future for us. Oh, how wonderful. So we'll always be reminded of him. His yeah. wife works at the pub as well. Right. So, he's, you know, his memory lives on. But, uh, but uh, yeah, as I say, well, it would be some special day will come up and up pops something on our computer screens or something will go down and yeah. it's him, him haunting our pub. So I'd like to be in our pub with him. Well, we, we, should, we should make sure that that happens. Thank you. And now we move on to... Animal, vegetable or I'd like to come back as an ant. Um, I, I love ants, and I think they're so much more effective than humans, really. You know, they're they're small, so they don't really get in the way. Uh -huh. They're all team players, aren't yeah. they? They're all working together. They clean up behind themselves. Um, and I think, uh, and they seem to be very sociable, too. I think it'd be a lovely animal to come back as. They're and hardworking. They're very strong. They're very, well, I was just about to say, aren't they one of the strongest creatures, yeah. sort of by comparison to exactly. what they can carry on their back? Yeah, and, totally. And would you like to be a flying ant? Because they seem to get on people's nerves. Yeah, I ants. think they really do, and it's probably quite dangerous. Yeah. Because um, uh, they, they they never look as though they've fully got the licence, do they? They, oh, they fly slightly out of control. They do. Not like a bird or a butterfly. It's like they're not meant to have Yeah, they seem, they seem to land in a clumsy way. They roll over as though they haven't really practised the landing yeah. or haven't found a decent landing strip. So, no, I think a, a grounded ant. A grounded ant. Well. A working ant. No, nice. Well, I'd like to come back as working class. Yes. <laughs> so, a working class ant. A working class ant. One of the people. Exactly. Lovely. And um, But now your soul has left this mortal coil um, up at the pearly gates. This is just sort of a generic pearly gates. Yeah. Who would you like to be greeting you, do you think? Well, it's always going to be Peter, isn't it? Well, apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, you could ask you could ask for someone else, isn't it? You know, there are various people in the world. But yeah. I think Peter's going to be there. But I, I know how the conversation goes. You know, I'm going to look and he's going to go, <laughs> no, mate, you're over there. <laughs> and he's going to point to the escalator. No. And, and I'm going to go, all oh, right, and I'll, and I'll follow, that, follow the escalator down. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go, I got it. Understood. Thanks. Mm, I, oh, come on. I mean, I'll maybe really? ask if I can look through the door. Yeah. Well, what about can I have a look that? in? Can I check it out? I haven't got membership, but can I just say I'm considering <laughs> I'm considering getting membership. Oh, but like, I would like to think that lovely Carrie Fisher would be waiting for you up there and her mum, Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Because she she didn't she die the day, the next day after She did, Carrie? the day yeah, after. Yeah. Remarkable. She yeah. Really did. Yeah. There's a wonderful uh, quick story because famously, um, Debbie Reynolds, uh, Carrie Fisher's father was Eddie Fisher. Correct. Who Elizabeth Taylor stole 
from Debbie Reynolds. Is that right? That's right. It was like the big Angelina and Brad moment um, of them getting together. Exactly. And then you write in your quite magnificent book that uh, once Eddie Fisher had died, all Walt was under the bridge and these women actually liked each other and got on. And you had a brief moment of meeting Elizabeth Taylor, didn't you, James? I did. Would you like me to tell, tell I, you about I that? I would love you to tell our listener all yeah. about that. Uh, I was at Carrie's house and she said, hey, James, do you want to go and meet Elizabeth Taylor? And I said, fuck yes. Uh, so we got in the car. We drove from Beverly Hills to Bel Air. The house wasn't that impressive, you know, really. Uh, relatively small two-story building. And I went in and uh, passed the guards and into the sitting room and wherever the kind of BAFTAs or whatever they were or Oscars or whatever she had were. And you, if I reached out, an alarm went off and a guy ran in and said, step away from the awards, sir. <laughs> and then Carrie called me back to the stairs. She was at the bottom of the stairs, and and I stood with her. And she pointed up to the top of the stairs, and and at there at the top was uh, Elizabeth Taylor. And she said, "Hey, Elizabeth, Liz, this is James. James, this is Liz." And uh, Elizabeth Taylor looked down at me and said, "Hey, James, I can't come down. I've got the shits." <laughs> and that's my meeting with Elizabeth Taylor. See, how wonderful! What a great showbiz story. So. The will. What have you got and who's getting it, James? I mean, I've, I think I've spent most of it already. There's not much left, uh-huh. is there? I mean, I've been burning through it in Ibiza on, you know, <laughs> on devious action and and suppositories. Yes, they all cost. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not much left. Um, who am I supposed to leave it to? I hadn't thought about this. Yeah, well. Yeah, good or bad. I mean, I've got a family. I should leave it to them. I'm going to leave it to my favourite son. <laughs> <laughs> leave everything to your favourite. Yeah, favorite. leave everything to my favourite son. And the one who's been naughty gets fuck all. And is there anything you wouldn't want anyone to find? That you think, oh, fuck me, I better get rid of that before I peg it? I don't think so, no. no. Oh, there's a computer file I'd like deleted, actually, thinking about it. Oh, yes. Yes, I need to get that deleted. I need to, but yeah, I've been making a solo porn project. Okay. Yeah, it's just me and the camera <laughs> and... <laughs> and it's, you know, <laughs> it's a special. And I was planning on leaking it online and thinking, you know, wow, that's ballsy. <laughs> just just like you know, no one else, just thumb up bottom. <laughs> but that's probably how I died, wasn't it? With a lime in the mouth and the thing and the trousers. Well, that's and, it, mate. And, you know. and the ukulele on the floor beside me. And, and, and that's how it went. Fuck, now I realise. <laughs> So what would be your last words? Ouch. Is that <laughs> ouch? <laughs> ouch. <laughs> oh well, listen, James Blunt, thank you so much. This has been such good fun. Oh, so nice to be here. Thanks for sharing a special moment with me. Well, listen, Lucky, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. You're going to be sticking around because on our subscription podcast, Six Feet Under, uh, we're going to rifle through our listeners' real-life death anecdotes. So head to wherethersawillthersweight.com to subscribe. So thank you again for joining us today, James. Kathy, it has been beautiful. It's so sweet of you to oh, have me, Cathy. Thank you so much. He's going. He's going. Lovely. He's going. Oh, that was great. He's gone. You've been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Wake with me, Kathy Burke. My senior producers are Katie Bowden and Charlie Morell. And my producer is Naya Dio, or as I like to call them, my goddesses. 
Sound engineer is Ed Gill. The production coordinator is Lily Hambly. Marketing by Emily Webb and Kieran Lancini. Original music written and performed by Jonathan Rathbone. And the executive producer is Ollie Wilson.